Oh, hallelujah. I could just stay there all day long. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. Come on, let's give it up for the worship team for, for being obedient. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. Sister Holly and her leading and, and the whole team, you know, they're, they're really anointed. They're not just gifted, but they're anointed. You know what I'm saying? They're not up here performing. They're playing for an audience of one. And his name's Jesus. How many of you sense the presence of God in this place today? Is it okay to follow the Holy Spirit? Is it okay to follow his leading and his guidance? Hallelujah. Sweetheart, this is my lovely wife who puts up with me. <laughs> mm. Mandy Black, and you know, behind every man of God, there is a powerful woman. Amen. I just want her to take a minute and greet you folks. Good morning. We are so happy to be here with you. Um, thank you for having us. I just wanted to tell you, and, and my husband started mentioning it on Friday, but we met your pastors uh, at that pastor's university that we went to in Louisiana. And the very first night that we, we met them, we happened to book the same B&B that night. Um, so you, we've been traveling. All of us have been traveling all day. And we have classes like first thing early in the morning. And, you know, we're all nervous and excited and getting ready. And well, when we got to our B&B, we walked up the stairs tired, couldn't wait to get into bed. And we see your pastors and they're just, they're sitting there. They had been locked out of their room. This is what, 10 something at night? Like the key broke off in the door um, with all of their luggage on the other side of it. <laughs> and what I have to tell you is that they're the real deal. Amen. That they live what they preach. Because the owner and the, what, the innkeeper, everybody was running around going, we're so sorry, we're so sorry, we're going to get you in, we're calling somebody to come in. And everybody was trying, we couldn't get them in. And they were so gracious. You would have been so proud of them. They're like, it's all right, you can't help it, not a big deal. I mean, and they were so excited. Pastor was falling asleep right there, like he could barely even move. Um, and still, so gracious. In fact, so gracious that the next time, the, the second set of classes that we went to the next month, they had booked a B&B somewhere else. But even though they weren't even staying there, the innkeeper who was doing all the cooking, she wrapped up all these little goodies that she hand-baked and she walked them over to the church just so she could see them again. That was the kind of impact that just living the love of Christ did in, in, their, in their life. So we love you guys, so glad to be here. Hallelujah. Thank you, baby. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so we have three kids. We've got a daughter, Paris, who's 20, a son, Ethan, who's 17, and a younger son, Joshua, who's a handful. <laughs> and, but he's 13, soon to be 14 here in, a, in, a, in a, about a month. But I think I have a, oh, there's a picture right there of them. So, yeah, Ethan's standing behind me. Of course, you just met Mandy. Paris is behind uh, Mandy with, you can't see it, but there's a little black shadow that she's holding, and his name is Shadow. He's a little morky. And then we have Joshua, who's kneeling down, who's got the Eagles hat on. Do I have any Eagles fans in here? I didn't think so. <laughs> oh, I have one? Okay, come on, Jesus. Um, 
And then, of course, to my right is Lucas, sheepdog, and another sheepdog, Ezra. And we're just one big happy family. We're not perfect, let me tell you. I mean, our, yeah, I can tell you some stories. But the one thing that I, that's awesome is the blood of Jesus covers a multitude, right? Past sin, present sin, any sin I'm going to commit in the future, I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. Amen. If you're looking for the perfect church, let me know if you find it. But if you show up, it ain't going to be perfect. (laughs) So anyway, but thank you for that. If you've got your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Matthew 10. Matthew 10. In verse 7, and if you would stand up with me for the reading of the word, hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, that changes today. I'm not talking about you know about Jesus or yeah, I heard about him or yeah, I don't have religion. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus You can join any church in the entire world, and that doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. You know, there were several months where I didn't even go to church, but I kept my relationship with Jesus strong. It's not about a church. It's not about who you belong to. It's not about a denomination. It's about a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you know Jesus, but your relationship has grown cold or stale, that changes today. Hallelujah. And if you're here today and you know Jesus and your relationship with Him is strong, but for some reason it lacks His power flowing through it, that changes today. Hallelujah. So read with me here in Matthew 10, verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, freely what? Give. Say that with me. Say, freely I have received, and freely I must give. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Your word is alive. Your word is powerful. It's not dead. It's just not, it's not a bunch of words on a page. But, Lord, your words are alive. And, Lord, I thank you that the revelation of your word is going to come alive in your people's hearts today. And, Lord, when they leave this building, they are not going to be the same in Jesus' name. But, Lord, they're going to take what they receive here, not because of me or because of Pastor Dallas or because of anything that's happened in this service, but because of you, Lord Jesus. It's all because of you. Lord Jesus, be the center of our lives this morning. Lord, help me to point people to you so that they can come to know you, not in a religion, but in a relationship. And Jesus, we promise to give you all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our mission in life and our assignment in life is found in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you must give. That's our assignment in life. If you've ever wondered, like, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know why God's, you know, why I was born. Well, let me tell you something. Verse 8 is why. 
And that doesn't mean you have to be on the platform. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. Don't get afraid. If God's not calling you to preach, that's okay. We are in ministry, each and every one of us, everywhere that we go. At the workplace. Come on. It's not just about the church, man. I was so blessed to hear Trinity testify. She works at the Waffle House, right? And man, she is preaching the gospel and she's using words. Come on. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. So awesome to hear what God's doing in Aaron and Trinity's life. You guys know their testimony? Powerful. And so as we go, we proclaim the gospel. And so our assignment in life is to do that. And if you look at verse 7, it says, The kingdom of heaven is near. Now there's another scripture that people always use. They say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven's near. A lot of people get that wrong. You know, repent means to change. But a lot of people are like, you better repent because hell's coming. No, that's not what it means. The kingdom of what it means is the kingdom of heaven is here right now to help you, to assist you. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. And so it's the same principle here in this passage. It says, go and it says, proclaim this message. Verse 7, the kingdom of heaven has come near. That means the kingdom of heaven is here in this place. The kingdom of heaven is within your heart. It's inside of you through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. And he is here. He's going to work through you to do these things. Work should be an exciting thing. You should get up every morning and not be like, Oh, my Lord, i got to go to this place again. I hate this place. Oh, i got to go deal with this person, and i got to deal with that person. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I can't wait for this day to be over with. No, man, no. We go to work and we say, today I'm going to cast the devil out of somebody. Today I'm going to bring deliverance to somebody. Today I'm going to bring Jesus to somebody. Now that doesn't mean you have to like speak that to people and scare, you know, scare them out of your wits. Like, hey, come here, I'm going to cast the devil out of you. Most people look at you like, whoa, what's, what's going on, dude? No, that's not what I'm talking about. There was a, a saint from way long ago, St. Francis of Assisi, I believe, and he said, hey, preach the gospel everywhere you go. Use words if necessary. If necessary. And so, in other words, when you go with that frame of mind to work, you should be excited. Lord, what's my assignment today? Who am I going to encounter today that I can share your love with? Not that you can be judgmental and tell them they're going to hell. though They already know they're going to hell. They don't need you to tell them that. They already know they need to repent and change. They don't need you to tell them that. They need somebody to love on them and to do what Jesus did, which is get in their boat. You know, when Jesus was walking around in his earthly ministry for those 30 years, he did not, the Lord did not lead him to a bunch of polished up guys. Peter was a fisherman. And I'm going to tell you right now, he, he had, I'm telling you, Peter probably had some four-letter words that were, were not, you know, that in our day and time would, would make us look like angels. Peter was, didn't have it all together. He's down there fishing and cussing and fussing. And, Andrew, bro, I told you to throw the net on the other side. Blankety, blank, blank, blank. And Jesus comes up and starts talking to them. And they were like, whoa, what's going on here? And he got into their boat. He got into their boat and just loved on them. 
He didn't have to tell them, hey, if you don't change your ways, you're going to burn in hell. The world doesn't need to hear that. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. And then the second part of that verse says the world stands condemned already. What's that mean? That means they already know, man. It's our job to go and share the love of God with them. It's our job to go do these things. And so our mission and purpose in life is to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely we have received it. Freely we must give it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can't give what you don't have. I'll say it again. You cannot give out what you don't have. If you come in here on Sundays and you get yourself a little fix, but you keep it in here, guess what? It dies in here. You should come in here expecting, getting ready. Lord, fill me up so that when I leave here, man, I can do verse 8. And what happens is when you come in here, the Word of God confirms verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is near. You felt the presence of God moving through this place today. Well, when you go out in the world, it's not as powerful as it is in here. But it's inside of you. And when you get a revelation of the kingdom of God living in you, oh, look out. Come on, Jesus. What I'm talking about is about the kingdom of God coming alive within you. Something that cannot be contained. When you have a follower of Jesus who has received a revelation that what they have is not religion, but it's a relationship with the creator of the universe. And that relationship is born not from an event, but from a lifestyle change. You've got a move of God. And the devil better look out. Come on. Come on, Jesus. And so I encourage you today, I challenge you today that the kingdom of God lives within you. It's not in this church just for the four walls of this church. It's inside of you, and you take it out of here with you. Hallelujah. And when you get that revelation, this building's not going to be big enough to hold what's going to happen. Why? Because they're going to be like, hey, I want what you have. Well, I got some of what I have over there at Bridge of Hope. Oh, really? When do they meet? On Sunday. I want to go there and get some of what you have. All right, I'll pick you up. That's how easy it is. Come on. Pastor, this church ain't going to be big enough, bro. I'm telling you. So what I'm talking about is a lifestyle change. We must form an intimate relationship with Jesus if we're going to be able to see verse 8 come to pass. Now today I'm talking about lifestyle changes. That's the title of my message, a lifestyle change. And I'm not talking about the, the, the person who's not serving God. I'm talking to everybody. Because the unbeliever, he needs an, a lifestyle change. The believer needs a lifestyle change. If you're stuck in a rut and you're, Lord, I don't know why I'm at the same place I was 15 years ago. You need a lifestyle change. Something's got to change. And it all starts with these three things I'm going to share with you today. Lifestyle change. Now, if you look with me in Luke chapter 10, in verse 38, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, 
he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Everybody say, she, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet. Look at your neighbor and say, Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Come on. She sat at the Lord's feet to what he said in verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, talking about Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to come help me. It's not fair. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Verse 42, but few things are needed. Listen to me, but few things are needed. And indeed, really only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. You see, brothers and sisters, few things are needed, but really only one. Yes, we need clothing. Yes, we need gas in our car. Yes, we need food on the table. But there's really only one thing we need, and that's to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship him. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about coming to church or coming on Friday night to a worship session and a worship night, although those things are awesome, but those are things that just complement your already scheduled time by sitting at his feet. And so Jesus is longing for you to set aside all the distractions from this world and to just sit at his feet and say, Lord, I'm here. I don't know what to say. Sometimes you don't have to say nothing. You just put a little bit of worship music on, man, and you just sit at his feet and you just love on him. And you just worship him. And you may say, well, that's weird, man. Well, what's weird about it? Man, that dude gave his life for you. He was beaten. I don't know, have, have you ever seen The Passion? The Passion of the Christ, that movie? Boy, that, that movie, whew, it gets me every time. I, I, we watch it at least once a year. Why do we do that? Because I want to be reminded of what he did for me. And there's no other movie out there that shows the description of how my Lord and Savior was beaten to a pulp. For me, while I was a sinner messing around, goofing off, didn't care nothing about destiny or purpose, he said, that's all right, that's okay, he's out there messing around, I'm still going to die for him, I'm still going to be beaten for him. And so the Lord Jesus gave us his all, what, what, what is it that we can't just give him a few minutes of our time each day? If you're not a morning person, then do it at night before you go to bed. But at some point in your day, you got to set some time aside to quiet your heart. To quiet all the voices that are going on. To quiet everything that's going on around your life. 
Some of you are wondering, like, man, there's so much going on my life, you just wouldn't even understand. I, I understand. I've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And there's nothing like sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, take it from me, man. I can't handle it anymore. I need you. And you just sit at the feet of Jesus and do what Mary did and just love on Jesus and just tell him that you just love him. And, and like I said, sometimes you do not have to say anything. You see, we must remove the distractions from our lives, technology, phones, computers. When you go into your prayer closet, man, put your phone on airplane mode and then put your playlist on. Because if you don't, your text messages are going to be dinging. The devil don't want you to get alone with Jesus, man. The enemy does not want you to get alone with Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to go into my prayer closet and I set my playlist and just get on my knees and my phone starts ringing because I forgot to put it on airplane mode. And it's somebody in my business calling me and wanting something. And I'm like, oh, man, I was about to hang out with the king. I was about to hang out with the Lord of Lords. And I'm being interrupted. So, guys, we have to remove all distractions Remove everything that could distract you when you set this time aside. But what I'm talking about is the kingdom of God coming alive inside of you. The only way that can happen is you have to spend time with him. You have to spend time with him. Personal, private, prayer time. And, man, he's going to reveal some things in your life. See, God, if, if the Lord was to show you what he wants to do through your life, it would, it would blow your mind. And actually, the Apostle Paul wrote it in Corinthians, No eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And it would just blow your mind if you would take the time. And, and I'm not talking about getting up in the morning and while you're getting ready and putting on your makeup and brushing your teeth. You got, well, I, I spent some time with the Lord. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. It, listen, it's a discipline. It's going to hurt. I hate mornings. I do not like getting up in the morning. But let me tell you something. I'd rather stay in that bed. Man, that bed was feeling good this morning, Pastor. I did not want to get out. I'm like, oh, man, this bed's feeling good. But it's a discipline. And let me tell you something. Remember the 2190 rule. 21 days, it's a habit. If you can do anything for 21 days, it's a habit. If you can do it for 90 days, it becomes a lifestyle. And so I challenge you today, do it for 21 days, and then take it to the next level and go 90 days, and it will become a lifestyle to the point where you can't go without sitting at his feet. You know, some folk may be in here today like, oh, I don't understand why they're kneeling down and why they're raising your hands and all that. Let me tell you something. I raise my hands because I want to become a human funnel that his oil of glory can just flow in me. What are you talking about, Mark? I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, have you ever put oil in a car? How many of you ever changed the oil in a car? Let me see your hands. Oh, yeah. So when you go to change the oil in a car, do you just grab, you know, you, you, you drain the oil, you put a filter in, you put the plug back on, you open up that, that, that uh, I don't know about you, but I run Mobile One Synthetic. That stuff's awesome. Put a little bit of that mobile one. Well, I don't just open the, the, the cap to my car and just start pour, pouring the oil in there. No, I get a funnel. Why? Because if I don't, that oil is going to go all over the place and leak and get on my engine. And then the engine going to get cranked up and it's going to be smoking and all that. No, I put a 
funnel on that oil opening and I pour that oil in my car because I don't want to get any, I don't want to miss any oil from getting in the engine. Well, it's the same thing with our lives, brothers and sisters. When we do this, funnel, that's all it is. And he's up there going, all right, that's going to be easy for me, bro. They got a funnel. And it's going all in. I don't want to miss a drop. I want it all. Come on. So listen to me. I'm not talking about tradition. Come on, raise your hands because the preacher said you had to. I'm talking about I do it on purpose. I'm intentional about it. Well, I'm afraid what people are going to think. That's kind of weird raising your hand. Who cares? I could care less, man. When I was out there serving the devil, slinging drugs, doing drugs, partying, I didn't care what people thought about me. So why am I going to care about it when I come to Jesus, man? I could care less. Come on. Everybody lift your hands towards heaven and say, funnel. Come on, say, funnel. Say, Lord, I want it all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. So one of the things that can help us dial in quieting our heart, quieting our heart, you've heard people like speaking in tongues and all that. Oh, that's weird, bro. I ain't into that. That's all right. You can feel that way. I used to think the same thing. But here's the deal, guys. Your prayer language is not for a public spectacle. It ain't for in here. Ah, shataka. You know, that's great, but that's not really what it's for. It's for your private prayer life. And I don't know if you've ever studied, studied Eastern religions, but in Eastern religions, they light these incense and they get, you know, they get down there and they do their hands like this, all that junk, and they, you know, why are they doing that? Because they're trying to quiet their heart. They're trying to quiet their mind from all the junk that they've been dealing with all week. But that's the counterfeit. That ain't the real deal. And there's a lot of that junk coming into our world here in America. You know, the third eye and the dementia and all that junk. It's all full of the death. It's demonic. But I got the real deal. I got, I got the non-counterfeit. I got the real deal. And he's called the Holy Ghost. And so I encourage you, one way to quiet your heart is pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues. And yeah, it's, it's weird, but it's supernatural. And what is it? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, If I pray in an unknown tongue, I don't pray to men, but I pray to God. Indeed, no one understands what I'm saying, because I utter mysteries with my spirit, is what the Word of God says. And so one way that we can sit at the feet of Jesus and quiet our heart is to just sit there and just Pray in the Spirit for 5, 10, 15. For me, man, it takes me at least 20 minutes to just close my eyes and begin to pray because I, I got ADD. <laughs> you know, I'm distracted. I'll be in my prayer closet like, ooh, them shoes got a hole in them. I need to get a new pair of shoes. And next thing you know, instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus, man, I'm all up, at, I'm all over the place. So I close, for me, it may be different for you, but I just close my eyes and just, and just begin to pray in the Spirit. 
And, and that's what it's all about if, you, if you've never known anything about it. And all believers should desire it. All believers should seek it. And all believers should receive it. It doesn't make me a better Christian. It doesn't mean that I'm going to heaven and you're not if you don't speak in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. It is a tool to assist you to enter into the presence of God in your private prayer life. And then when you get a hold of that in your private prayer life, your encounters here in church and your experience here in church is going to be like no other. That's why some people, when they come in, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand all that. It's because they never had an encounter in their private prayer life. And so one thing that can help us quiet our heart is praying in the Spirit. And so I encourage you, pastor has classes where they teach about this, and they go deep with it and teach you the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a separate experience from salvation. It doesn't mean if you don't have it that you're not going to heaven. No, that's not what it means. But I don't know about you. I don't want to jump out of an airplane unless i got a parachute. Right? Well, I don't want to just get saved and just barely get along in life and barely make it through and get to heaven. And the Lord be like, dude, I had so much more for you, bro. So, man, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the baptism. I need him to just flow through my life. And so seek it, man. And look, when somebody prays for you to get that, the Holy Spirit is a dove. He's depicted as a dove, which is gentle. He's a gentleman. He's not going to just come on you and embarrass you and do something to you that you don't want to happen. And some people are waiting for the Holy Spirit to take their tongue and start moving it. That ain't what's going to happen. You do the speaking, and when you speak, he'll begin to flow out of you. Well, I kind of had this word, but I wasn't sure if that, that was it. That was it. That was the word. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, man, I had like one word, shalabai, shalabai. I went around for two weeks, shalabai, shalabai, shalabai. People were like, yep, you got a little bit of it. (laughs) But look, when you're a baby and you learn how to say mama, dada, you only got two words. And as you're hearing your parents talk, you learn other words. Well, man, I went around and I got my prayer closet. Shala, Lord, I want more. And all of a sudden, shala ba sande bo se hey abasoko. You know, and the Lord just started giving me my prayer language, and I just started speaking it out. And I didn't go. You know, the Bible's very clear about hey, man, don't go around speaking out loud and all. You know, distracting people and and all that, unless there be a, a time of interpretation in a, in a, in, a, in a gathering. But the Lord, man, wants to do that in your life. And, and what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the private prayer life. And there's a time for it. There is a time for it in the, in the general setting where the gifts of the Spirit are moving. So don't get me wrong there, but I don't want to chase a rabbit and get all into that. Pastor here at Bridge Hope, they have classes that you guys need to get plugged in, go through them. They will teach you about the deeper things of the Lord. Can I have an amen? Thank you, Jesus. So Mary sought to please Jesus by being with him, and Jesus loved it. Martha tried to please Jesus from service. You see, working from his presence is always better than working for his presence. Come on. Working from his presence, in other words, I've been in his presence, I've been all that, and I come out of his presence, Lord, what you want me to do? 
Instead of, oh, I got to go do this for the Lord, and I got to go do that for the Lord, and next thing you know, no anointing, no presence, no nothing. And when you're all done volunteer, I'm so tired. Oh, my goodness. No, man. I'll say it again. Working from his presence is always better than working for his presence. We're talking about waiting on the Lord, sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary chose to do. It's a choice. It requires a lifestyle change to maintain this. If you're staying up till 2 in the morning, you ain't getting up at 5 in the morning to sit at the feet of Jesus. you got to have a lifestyle change. And so we're talking about a lifestyle change. We all need a place where we stop like Mary did, and we wait on the Lord. You know, the cool thing about waiting on the Lord is that God's presence will cause your spiritual ears to begin to hear clearly the voice of God, what pastor's been talking about the last three weeks. When we wait on the Lord, Isaiah wrote, y'all know that scripture, Isaiah 40, 40, 31. Those that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be tired. They shall walk and will not faint. Those that wait on the Lord. The word wait there means to just like, Come expecting, but just wait on the Lord. There's two meanings there on the word. There's a, there's a literal and a figurative meaning. But one, one definition is the word wait means in greater numbers, greater things happen. And so when you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit there, when you're waiting on the Lord, great things are going to happen in your heart. And you come in there with expectation, waiting on the Lord. And the Bible says that you will not be weary, that you will mount up with wings like eagles, and you will not faint. So our hearts are filled with his presence when we slow down and sit at Jesus' feet, when we quiet our hearts. Our hearts are filled with his presence when we slow down and sit at Jesus' feet, number one. Number two, our hearts are filled with his presence and power when we devour God's word. Those two things go hand in hand. We can't just get in the presence all day long and not read his word. You know, there's a balance that has to take place. You know, somebody told me once, too much Holy Ghost and you're going to fly away. (laughs) Too much word and you're going to dry up and die. But when you got the Holy Ghost and the word, it's just right. Balance. So number two, we must devour his word. John 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him was made, nothing was made that has been made. And number 4, look, verse 4, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it or have not overcome it. And so we must devour God's Word in our life. You know, I can make a mean hamburger. Yeah, see there, I got a witness. And when I make these hamburgers I make, man, when I'm finished with them, they're they're like like that tall, Dallas. Like, they're so big, you got to take them, you got to like bush them down. But man, I put like, yeah, I make them on, the, and I get these. Everybody, anybody ever heard of a Bubba Burger? 
They're frozen, but let me tell you, I used to be like, frozen, man. I want fresh. Forget that. No, man, go get you some Bubba Burgers. Those things are good. So I make me a Bubba Burger, and I put them on the grill, man, and I get them just right, medium well, and put a little bit of that uh, cheddar smoked cheese on it. Mm. I'm getting hungry now. And, you know, slap a little bit of guacamole on the bottom of the bun, put some crispy bacon on there, hamburger, more guacamole, a little bit of barbecue. Mm. Anyway, but when I make these hamburgers, man, and I start bringing them inside, man, if I don't hurry up and make the other ones, like, they gone. I got two boys that can eat two or three of them. And there's only six in a pack. <laughs> so, man, I got to hurry up and make them things. So them boys, are, they, they get so hungry, they just devour those hamburgers. Well, that's how we got to be with God's Word. You see, there's a, there's, a, there's a hungerness in our flesh that's never satisfied. But spiritual hunger is the opposite. Spiritual hunger is always wanting more. We're always wanting more. When you eat physical food, you get full and you're like, oh, I can't have no more, man. I've, I've had enough, you know. And it's just a fleshly type of thing. But when you feed yourself the Word of God, and it takes a little while to get into that, but when you get in the groove of feeding the Word of God, you can't do without it because He's always speaking to you about stuff. Well, I tried reading the Word, man. It's just dry. It's dry because you dry. <laughs> and so... I'm, 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 being, I'm giving you a little, a little formula here. Sit at the feet of Jesus, then open the Word. And man, those, those pages, will, those scriptures will start jumping out at you. And you'll be like, whoa, I never saw that before. Come on, is it good stuff here? Somebody say, we coming into something. Thank you, Jesus. So we got to devour the Word of God. So our hearts are filled with his presence and power when we slow down and sit at his feet, a quieting of the heart. Our hearts are filled with his presence and power when we devour God's word. And number three, our hearts are filled with God's presence and power when, we, when God's desires become our desires. So one and two have to take place in order for three to happen. I said one and two, sitting at Jesus' feet and reading his word, if you're not doing those two, three ain't going to ever happen. God's desires become our desires. And I'm not talking about somebody up there with us on strings and he's a puppet, you know, puppet master, puppeting us. He doesn't want that. He wants relationship. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And he says, man, when you hang out with me, when you learn about me, I'm going to put some stuff in your heart that's going to blow your mind. There's multimillionaires out there today who are serving God with everything they have. Why? Because God put some desires in their heart, put some ideas in their mind, and they're wealthier than they could ever imagine in their life because of that. Now, we don't do that to get wealthy, but that's what I'm talking about. He'll put his desires in your heart. As we commune with Jesus, we begin to understand his desires and what's happening and the things that God desires become the things that I desire or that, I would, or that you desire. When God's desires become your, your desires, that's the beginning of a very powerful communion between you and the Lord. 
Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. Right there it says, Whatsoever things you desire. You see, when you pray or commune with the Lord, there are desires that are placed in your hearts. If you're not taking the time to sit at Jesus' feet and quiet your heart, if you're not devouring His Word on a daily basis, it's going to be very difficult to hear the voice of God. It's going to be difficult for you to have His desires become your desires. But when we quiet our hearts with the Lord, His desires become our desires. And when we pray and we believe in our heart, His desires shall come to pass in our lives. You see, Mary did not come to Jesus with a big laundry list of stuff that she needed. Lord, I need this, and I need that, and I need this and that. Please, Jesus. No. She just came and just sat at His feet. And the Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that when you put His kingdom first, when you put Jesus first... When you put Jesus first, all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All your needs. There's a time and a place for you to come to, and, and Lord, I need this, and I need you to touch sister so-and-so and brother so There's a time and a place for that. But I'm talking about in your private prayer life. I'm talking about the kingdom of God being revealed in your life so that you can go out and do your assignment at work. And your assignment is to bring the love of Jesus to people. Use words if necessary. When you get this revelation, guys, you're going to be like a magnet. And people are going to be attracted to you. And you're not even going to have to try. Come on, Jesus. Lord, we just worship you today. I just want everybody to bow their heads right now. Thank you, Jesus. You might be in this place today, and you may know about Jesus. You may say, well, I have, yeah, I know Jesus, but you don't really. You might know religion, or you might know what your grandma taught you, or your grandpa, or your aunt, or your uncle, or your mom, or dad, but you don't really know Jesus the way I'm talking about. You see, man, I was raised in a Christian home. I was born on the mission field. My parents were missionaries, and the age of 15, I decided, man, I don't know what all this junk's about, and I don't really care. It's just weird, and I don't know why my parents are so happy. And so I just, I went away. I, I, I just, I took a journey till I was about 22. And at 22, Jesus got a hold of my heart, man. I wasn't in a church service. I wasn't at a crusade. I wasn't at some big event. I was actually camping out with somebody smoking some weed and doing acid and tripping and hallucinating. And Jesus showed up in the middle of that campsite. And he said, Mark, I want your heart, man. And man, when he did that, I knew it was him. At first I thought it was the acid, but it, you know, because he started speaking to me audibly like I'm talking to you. And I'm like, whoa, this is some good stuff here. And then I realized that it wasn't the stuff, it was really the Lord. And I got on my knees, and, I, and, and I'd been to the altar a thousand times and left out the building, no change, no transformation, nothing. 
But this particular night, July the 18th, at 1 a.m. in the morning, in the mountains of Arkansas, Buffalo River, trout fishing and carrying on, Jesus got a hold of my life and transformed me forever. And I've never been the same. And you might say, why are you so excited? Man, because I was in chains. I had invisible chains around my neck and my hands and my heart. And that night, Jesus came and he had the keys to those chains and he unlocked them and let me out of them. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was floating on air because I'd been carrying that weight around for so long. And I don't know if you're in here today, but man, if you're tired of just being just sick and tired and you got that weight on your life and you don't really sense the peace that Jesus can bring, you don't sense that life that he can bring, I want to invite you today to give him your heart. And even if you've tried, I've tried that before, Brother Mark, that's fine. Today's a new day. The mercies of God are new every morning. And Jesus wants to touch you right here where you're at. If you're in here today and you used to know the Lord, but you don't, you're not really serving him the way you need to be, he wants you to come and open your heart to him today. So if that's you in here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to quickly, ain't nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, I just want you to slip your right hand up and down real quick at the count of three. All right? One, two, three. Come on, hands going up. God bless you. Other hands. God bless you. God bless you. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody in here to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today with an open heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wipe them clean. The sins I committed yesterday, the sins I committed this morning, the sins I'm going to commit in the future, I believe that your blood washes me clean. Past, present, future. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose again on the third day and are seated at the right hand of the Father. And your word says that you are praying for me daily. Lord, I make you my Lord today. I come back to you today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now, Father, I just pray over every person that prayed that prayer today. And, Lord, I pray that you would make it a reality in their hearts, in their lives. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today and you mean business, I want you to come to the front right now. Come on up, man. Jesus.